who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today, from divorce to call-out culture to masculinity to girls' confidence. Season two of Thread the Needle finds the meeting place between feminist ideals and the realities of women's lives. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, citizens, to the sixth episode of Liberty Vigilance. This episode is, appropriately enough, brought to you by our friends at the Lucky Die podcast. If you enjoy quality Dungeons & Dragons adventures with riveting narration, detailed character development, and stories that involve the very fate of the world, perhaps after the world's been destroyed, then look no further than our friends at The Lucky Die, who are, oddly enough, voicing the Lucky Eight gang in this week's story. Speaking of which, it's time for us to get started, so thank you again for listening, and remember, Atreus endures. Liberty. Vigilance. Episode 6. Getting Lucky. As the team passes a home made from the shell of a fallen train car and reaches the intersection of 8th and Indigo, they notice that one direction of 8th Street is blocked off by a giant metal barricade guarded by two men adorned in red and black war paint. A less violent-looking fringer woman is chatting with one of the warriors, and behind the barricade is a collection of fringers being casually rounded up and brutally executed by dozens of other men and women wearing the same style of war paint. Hey, Flick, who are those guys? Uh, who are those guys? That would require a successful knowledge fringe check. 1d20 plus 5. Not great, but, uh... Oh, those are the skull clackers. Yeah, they consider themselves real tough badasses. But they're also quote-unquote democratic. Power in the Skullcrackers. Skullclackers? Skullclackers. <laughs> I get them mixed up sometimes. <laughs> the Skullclackers 
uh, have a power system that's decided by how many skull chips they have. Uh, sorry, they're personal kills. Yeah, damn small timers. That probably the entire gang right there. Could we just walk right past them? <laughs> you don't even need to. That over there, that's where we want to go. Corners points to a building up the road bearing the mark of the Lucky Eights gang. Oh, okay. Well, let's go. As the team walks toward it, a shaggy-looking man in his mid-twenties bearing the bleeding eye symbol tattooed on his neck moves to intercept the group. Hey, what you doing this eve? Going down the street? We got business with the Lucky Eights. You're speaking with them. One of them. Well, uh... Listen, uh, we gotta... We're here from Holepoke. We heard you got a couple of their girls and we want them back. Well, there's a lot of you, And you look pretty armed. Exactly. So are you gonna give them to us? I don't know. We got a problem here, you see? You're coming here with the wrong attitude. You're not like Sarks or nothing. Guess he is, maybe. Yeah, I'm Sark. Who are you guys... Why are we dealing with you and not the Sarks? We're the Blood Skulls, and you're dealing with us because the whole poke trusted us to do the job. Well, um, how about you wait here with my friends, and uh, I'll come right back and let you know that everything's cool, and we'll set up a chat. Sound good? Hmm. Nice and safe? We're not interested in safe, actually. We're here to try our luck. Well, okay, but, uh... What's that really mean? We've got a proposition for your boss, and we'd like to speak with him out here if possible. Uh, he means her. Thank you. <sighs> okay. He looks over at Flick. Oh, you. Hey, Jerms. Hey, Hawk. Yeah, yeah, we can make some sort of, uh... You know, why don't you just hold here? I'm gonna be right back with the, uh, boss. Don't go nowhere. You know, stay. Put my hands up real easily. He begins backing up and retreats toward the building out of sight. Sounds like a horrible way to get ourselves stuck into a trap. <laughs> Sounds like a horrible way to get ourselves stuck in a trap. <laughs> yeah, stay sharp. We'll have to see what happens next. After a few moments, he returns with three additional individuals, one of which includes Teal's lieutenant. The Lucky Eights huddle for a few moments while looking at the group. So we're just letting a group of fringers approach us armed and we're not assuming that they're going to try and kill us? Oh, that's what we're assuming. They might try to kill me. Well, if they try to kill us, we try to kill them back. That's the way it's done out here, isn't it? Not that I wouldn't know because I've been out here my whole life. <laughs> Running in the blood skulls. <laughs> Show you have it. Smash that. Oh, yep, head smash. That's my name. <laughs> I like you guys. <laughs> Corners yeah. gives McBride a sideways glance. You guys are fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna starve. Well, they don't call us the Blood Skulls because we caress skulls. <laughs> they call us the Blood... <laughs> 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 they call us the Blood Skulls because we bloody them. <laughs> Please excuse Skull Crusher here. He's had his own skull bloodied up. Few times too many. And he doesn't think too well. Maybe you don't let him do the talking. Yeah. yeah I, I like that plan. Yeah. Scar? Corners, if uh, if things go bad here, are you prepared to shoot in a straight line? 
<laughs> or is it just the diagonal? <sighs> Let's just... This is a shitty plan. This is a horrendously bad... I mean, this is a very bad plan. I hope you guys have something up your sleeve and this isn't it. <laughs> yeah, I've got your corners. Corners timidly and ever so slightly steps backward. The lucky eights approach. The lieutenant is a tough individual with scars and an active bomb collar on his neck. A memento from his past. Yo, I'm Estro. Lieutenant here. What you want? We want the girls. They belong to the whole poke. What do we have to do to get them back? <laughs> you could start by groveling. I'm not much of a groveler, but I've heard you're fans of games of chance. Maybe we could make a wager. What kind of wager? Well, a wager where we win, we get those girls we talked about. What would your side of it be? How about we get your girls if we win? Four for four. Don't get much more fair than that. He motions to the team, half of which is female. Hawk and Pep scowl. Oh, fuck you. Oh, and I want that gear too. Do you have a marksman among you, someone who you consider your best shot? Yeah, it's me. That's why I'm lieutenant. <laughs> I'd like to pull the piece of metal out of my pocket. So you're saying that if I threw this as high as I can in the air, you could uh, just shoot it right out of the sky? No one can do that. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> but I could shoot it if you're holding it in your hand. I still have an inspiration point, right? <laughs> hey, guys, is this a hideously stupid idea? This is a horrendously <laughs> awful idea. I'm not going to be betting anyone. I know, Martyr. You. Why do we never agreed to this? Is it possible for me to shoot this even if I have an inspiration point involved? It's possible. But will it do anything? <laughs> yeah, you get to re-roll if you miss, so your odds are now 1 in 20. Twice. <laughs> Anybody else have a plan here? Or should I continue my very poorly thought out gamble? Don't continue your very poorly thought out plan. <laughs> All right, so we're going to play the ladder game. Does anybody know the ladder game? <laughs> What's that? So we're doing something for them to get back these girls. What do you need done that we can do for you guys to get back these girls? You want to do a favor for us? This is called a ladder game. I'm just going to keep going up this ladder <laughs> because all the other, all, all the other, I can't say that word, all the other things that could happen are not good. Do they know that word? Look, she's a little special. <laughs> what she means is. <laughs> I was going to say words like positive and progressive. And, uh, none of those words help. You got anything that needs doing that would be worth giving us those girls? Yeah. Yeah, actually. We got some problems. Okay, like what? Beside a sock problem, we got issues with the skulls. They suck all kinds of things. <laughs> Creeping up on our territory, killing our nice neighbors down the road. He motions behind the team. So if we want to talk about that pos that thing, can we go inside so we're not talking about it with them right there? Yeah. Yeah, we could. All right. Let's ride this way. Please give us a moment to chat before we follow you. Whatever. The, the woman that's with us, she has the prosthetics, right? Like, she has the eye implant. 
No, that, that wasn't Hawk. That was one of the immortals. You guys hired the cheap team, not the A team. <laughs> oh, sorry, I just forgot. All right, so then I'm going to go up to Sylvanas while we're walking in, and I'm going to whisper to him, because I don't remember his Fringer name, something uh, about violence. Scar. Scar. <laughs> <laughs> so once we're inside and we know how many they are, we can decide whether or not we just want to kill them or do the latter thing. What? How should we signal if we want to, like, what do we do, a hand sign? That's him whispering, incidentally. It doesn't actually <laughs> sound that different from him talking. Well, we didn't come into this with a very good plan, did we? Nope. We were in that place for about an hour. You didn't say anything about the plan then. Because nothing we're doing is making any sense. Why isn't that we couldn't just have the, the Sark woman say, tell Hobbs to come and look at us? Any freaking Atrian would have known that we were Atrian. And then he would have been like, oh, yeah, just send them up. We'll talk to them. Like, this is idiotic. You know, in the McBride household, when we have problems, we talk about them right then and there. You bringing this up right now isn't helpful at all. Well, okay, well, let's find something that doesn't just have a chance of them getting more slaves, which happens to include myself. Agreed. You certainly haven't agreed to that. Look, I'm not going to let any of us become slaves. Over my dead body, are they taking any of you? Well, then let's find a way to do this. All in very angry whispers. Look, if I think we've got a shot and I think we can take them, I'll do a, a covert thumbs up. And if we all give a thumbs up back, then that's just what we do. We just we just spring on them. We just take them down. Remember not to do any unnecessary thumbs ups. <laughs> if we do a majority thumbs up, then that's the plan. The team walks with the Lucky Eights to the entrance of the building. Yeah, I'm not going in there. I got problems with Teal. Teal's got problems with me. I'll just wait out here if that's fine. Corners, why did you agree to come with us if you weren't going to come in and do the job? Cause you said we were going to fucking shoot him. That's why. Yeah, they know who we are. What the fuck is this plan? I'm wanted by them. Then you stay out here, and if you hear me screaming, you come in and start covering our corners. <sighs> I'll cover your corners, yeah. I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, wait. Wait. Okay, wait. So I'm going to turn to the lucky eight guy and I'm going to say, we got to deal with our guy out here first. We'll be in a little bit. He can wait across the street. We or he? He. We still got to talk to him. Okay. Talk to him. He smiles slightly and stares at Azad. All right, so we'll all cross the street over to whatever's marked as facility on the map. And let's talk this out, because we can either start shooting right now while we still have corners with us, or just walk away entirely, scout the area, and see if there's anything we can do to get into their building more discreetly. Because right now, we're about to walk into a building, which is fine, because it's better than trying to get into the building when they're just going to kill us anyways. With the intention of doing an actual possible ladder deal, which is fine, we have a lot of possibilities, and the first one we came up with was not good. So I need other people to have some input on what we're doing, because I feel really bad about this. Look, at this point, I'm over all of this, and I just want to go in and shoot him. <laughs> I really must advise against that plan. If you decide you want to do a ladder deal, that's fine, but I really just want to talk to our man. No, shooting them would be great. 
Well, then let's shoot them. What are we doing this stuff for? Because <laughs> we're trying not to, We're trying to find out how many people they have inside the building. A dozen of them with two guns. Didn't we already talk about that? Okay, but that's what they said at the freaking bar. We don't know if that's true. Oh, boy. Thank you. <laughs> All right, here's my idea. When we were walking down the valley, not the valley, the, the street, we saw that restaurant and empty bar being used as a medical center, but it was only one story tall. So we could actually go around the back there climb on top of it and see if we can get into the second floor of that building that the lucky eights are in. The eights are standing right there watching us. Yeah, so if we just back the hell out of this, I definitely think that if we do this a little bit more I don't know, infiltrate and less just going in and shooting it up, we're going to have a better chance. Agreed. I think that's a fair point, but we've already given ourselves away. I don't think at this point we're going to be doing very much sneaking. Well then how about we have two people go in the front to discuss a possible deal. Um, you can't see my air quotes. Um, <laughs> and then we say that the rest of us are going to escort corners back to the bar, but actually we go around and find a way up. That way we can have two people in the front and the other party moving in from behind. We could try that, but I am not talking to them about that because they are not going to believe me. I'll go in the front. All right, so we can send Sylvanas in with... Maybe Flick? Oh, I'm more of a go-in-the-back guy. All right. Yeah, I'll go with Sylvanas. Uh, I'll go with Scar, which is the name I've known him by my entire <laughs> life. I'm going so with him. your children. <laughs> that we were. This guy's weird. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> They're paying on bullets and spraying. Probably innies. Yeah, like, this one over here didn't already said you guys were innies. What? Preposterous. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true whatsoever. I'd, l I'd like to, uh, I'd like to just focus on the job, please. <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> he's rubbing his temple like he has a tiger. Yeah, I'm feeling the same way. That's probably a smart idea. Hmm? But is it true that the Archon eats baby? Either way, they got meal and they're paying us nicely for it. On a different topic, somebody else come up with a plan, because I just don't... No, want no, that plan sounds fine to me. I just want to do a plan. I figure uh, me and Scar will go in through the front. We'll talk about all that stuff you said to talk about, which I'm sure Scar remembers, and then you all can uh, go through the back, and, you know, it'll be great. All right, so um, front team is Scar and other violent name. Head um, Smasher. Head Smasher. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That's my name. Don't wear it out. And then uh, team two will be Flick, myself, and then the other person whose name I don't remember again. Corners. Corners and Peck? Peck is your name? I'm me or her? I'm Honk. She's Pep. Pep? Yeah. Well, like your buddy's inspiring nipple muscles. <laughs> <laughs> These are Pecks. Oh. All right, so... Oh, oh. Only your nipple muscles can do it. Scar, head smasher, cast. Your team A. What? Um, distract and prepare in the front. Just draw it out. Draw it out. If you hear something. I'm not sure that I entirely understand, but I'll leave the talking <laughs> stuff to my friends. Myself, corners, Pep, Flick, and Hawk. Team two. And we're trying to find a way up through the top over the medical center. <laughs> team A and Team Two. All right. 
I wanted to make sure I wrote it correctly on the map. Uh, yeah, this is shaping up to go great. I was trying to get everybody's names right. I got an idea for a third team, Team D. <laughs> okay, so where are we going? Um, on the way over here, we passed an alley that passed between the, uh, the medical center and the larger barricaded building that we don't know what it is. So we're going to pass back there and see if we can't find a way up into the second floor of the Lucky Establishment. Wow. I mean, building, place, thing. Well, if you need someone to do some climbing, maybe I can help you out. Well, we will, so that's good. <laughs> so, uh, Team A. A? Fuck. Uh, so anyway, you guys go do your pretty things, and uh, we'll, um, we'll say we're going home. Pep and I got this. Okay. Hey, Pep, I hit you or you hit me? How you want to do this? Um, I'll start this one off if that's fine. <clears throat> no, I won't kiss you. You stand like a woman in a not nice way, and I, I bet you think that's a compliment, too. You're all going to do this to me in front of my sister's rivals. Fuck you. This is not going to happen. Hawk, let's ditch these asses. Yeah, why do you uh, got to be that way? You too, Sid. Come on. We're gonna go sell Pep's baby. Come on, you stay away from my baby. Oh, come on, fuck off. Hey, hold it easy. It was a joke. I'm sorry. As Corners and Pep fight, Hawk somehow gets pulled into the melee. A few moments pass, and Corners somehow grabs Flick by the crotch very invasively and pulls him into the fray. Alright, so we're walking south. Team A walks south. Disgruntledly. Disgruntedly. <laughs> Just say that we're mad because you refuse to pay us for the job because you're changing it. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, head smasher. Why don't you go with Team A? Uh, sure. Okay. Team 2 returns to speak with the Lucky 8s. So, what's up with them? Trying to decide which sort of deception check I need to make. <laughs> <laughs> that would require a successful deception check and an actual lie. Let's see what we got. Can make up that good of a lie. Oh, it better be good. <laughs> he asked where they were going, and Clairehout replied with, It had better be good? No, I don't say that out loud for sure. Okay. <laughs> more than half of our team would leave and not be setting up an ambush around back. Just trying to think of what Sylvanas would say. <laughs> but apparently he's not that smart. They had some issues with the uh, payment we provided. Now that the plan has changed and we're going inside to discuss things, they do not want to be involved. Since we're talking and not shooting, they didn't like it. So, you guys coming in then? Let's go, Scar. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the team watches as Claire Hout and Sogot enter the building. And this is where we died. <laughs> Okay, so the age-old question, what do we want to do? Let's look at Claire, I mean, Scar's map. Hmm. Okay, here are all the different buildings in front of us. The building with the creepy, bleeding eye is the Lucky Eight's base, which Cass and Scar just walked into, so that means we're in the green area, right around, like, near the uh, junk vendor. Oh, I wonder if he has anything interesting. Right, and the initial plan was to sort of uh, go into the alleyway in the back to to ambush them or something. Yeah, what is what is that? Well, those are the lucky eights we saw guarding the front, I think. 
Claire Hoth's just bad at drawing maps, I guess. Yeah, I just thought that was one big man on that. Yeah, he's huge. It's just one giant fringe monster the size of, uh, 20 mattresses. (laughs) (laughs) That's a unit of measurement now, guys. Mattresses. When you guys see the interior layouts of what Clairehout draw, assuming the modular designs of the buildings to be similar to Atrian buildings, you're going to understand what I mean about mattresses. He drew them too large. (laughs) Well, at least we know where your priorities are. Hey, now, he drew them, not me. Not all blood skulls are obsessed with mattresses. All right, guys, so tactically, mattresses have to fit into our plan. (laughs) They probably make great cover. They're good cover, yeah. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to try and get onto the roof, maybe. This is up to you. I'm just saying it. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, Get onto the roof of the one-floor medical center. Try to find a window into the second floor um, and see if we can start from there. Because going in here and trying to fight them seems to be, like, the worst possible plan. Yes. Yes, it does. How likely do you think it is that there will be a window from the restaurant and bar being used as a medical center to the other building. Well, all of these buildings are based on Atrian architecture. I mean, on the map, it doesn't look like there's an alley between them. The windows on the Lucky 8 building appear to be barred, boarded, or sealed up. McBride spots glass windows on the side of the building's second floor, which appears to be a viable entry point. All right, so all of the buildings here are supposed to be based off of inner-city buildings, that over time have uh, dilapidated. Everything here is hexagonal based. And can I roll for perception on the windows? Yes. Horatius scans. Yes, he scans the two floor building. Accessing these windows will require climbing to the roof of the abutting building, which visually reminds McBride of an Atrian medical center. Oh, oh, well. We should check to see if there's a way in the back, because it's probably going to be a better option than going in the front door. Right. Yeah. What does everybody have gun-wise again? Because I don't remember. It's been a long time. Yes. Flick has a lucky pistol named Ziggs. Okay. That's... I got the saw. I got a little hidden old pistol. My club shoots rifle bullets. I have a pipe. Just a pipe? Yeah, I have, uh, excuse me, it's a plus three metal pipe. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> of smashing? Is it of smashing? Uh, sadly, no. Okay. Oh, I have, what do I have? A, a type of gun called a skillet, and it has a blade attached to it. I have a skillet. <laughs> Who is the most athletic like In bed, maybe. Yeah, I was pretty athletic before I had the kiddo, so... Running maybe <sighs> me, but not climbing. <sighs> uh, that'll be Flick. All right, how about you climb on up there, Flick? Yeah, all right. Well, wait a minute, what is your athletics? Oh, uh, it's, uh... I thought it was two. Mine is three. Oh, no! I'm the most <laughs> athletic, so I'll go. Okay. I think that the, uh, I believe the plan was that we were going to go around the back before we tried anything so as not to alert suspicion. McBride approaches the building, looking for a viable point of ascension. An alley on the south side of the medical center may provide access to the roof, which is located directly under the windows. That path appears to be the only way to reach the windows that can be climbed without attracting attention from the main road. As the team approaches the alley, they need to roll stealth checks should they wish to move quietly and avoid detection. Um, 
if you want someone that's a combination of quiet and athletic, my stealth is very good. Also, I'm taller than you. Height aside, I am not as quiet as you, so that may be better. I am not athletic, <laughs> and not particularly stealthy either. Horatius is just kind of like when you watch an action movie where, like, Harrison Ford is chasing a ninja, and the ninja's all graceful, and then Harrison is, like, smashing through obstacles, <laughs> and, you know, and then he runs into somebody and wipes <laughs> dust off his jacket. That's Horatius. So perhaps, perhaps, Flick instead. Uh, yes, Flick will... Yeah, Flick will... Sort of, I mean, that's that's the job he came to do, so he'll do it without too much fuss. <laughs> With a modicum of fuss. <laughs> like a three on the fuss scale. <laughs> Out of ten? Yes. Okay, good. Okay, roll in stealth first. You got it. Well, that was bad. Oh, no. Poor Flick. <laughs> As Flick reaches the far end of the alley, he notices a drunk woman kneeling on the ground, vomiting. <laughs> oh. He didn't notice her until he was close enough to smell the vomit. Yet she has not noticed him. She sits up abruptly and continues to heave. Right. Yeah, I, I just... I, I, I let her do her business there. Um, does she look like anyone I would recognize, or just, just the barfy stranger? That would require a successful perception check. Perception, you got it. Yes. All right, that's a 16. Flick recognizes her as an enforcer for the Lucky Eights gang. Ah. He doesn't remember her name, oh. but she has a flask at her hip and is armed with a short, crude scrap blade. Okay. Um. On a level of 1 to 10, where does she fall on the intoxicated to the point of uselessness scale? Uh, yes, I would. I, I would like to know that, though. She appears to be sobering up slightly with each aggressive bout of sickness, but is still quite distracted for the time being. Okay, um, I'm going to try to, like, talk her into leaving. Um, hey, what, what the hell are you doing? Fucking vomiting, what you think? Don't you got any... Got any hits? No, I don't got any hits. Not for you. Fuck you. Don't you... Don't you got a job to be doing right now? Yeah, but... But this is more important. Well, you better be doing that somewhere else. If the boss pokes his head out the door, you are... You are not gonna like what happens then. That would require a successful persuasion or intimidation check. Okay. Uh... Flick has advantage on the check because of the woman's mental state. Yes. This allows Flick to roll twice and take the higher of the two rolls. Yay, Ooh. cool. Because whether it's an intimidate or a persuasion is irrelevant. <laughs> okay, I'll take 13 instead of 11. Oh, fuck, you're right. Uh, oh, thanks for looking out for me. I'm, I'm gonna go. Maybe do the... The group watches as a pale, sweaty woman rushes out of the alley and past them. <laughs> I just poke my head around the corner like, hey, ghost is clear. Boy, I guess Flick's a pretty scary guy if he can make people vomit by looking at him. That's, uh, that's my hidden talent. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we proceed 
Is there anything around like um, crates, piles of trash, anything we can use to get ourselves up onto the first uh, roof? The alley is mostly clear. Despite the repulsive regurgitations and small littered scraps canvassing the ground, the roof to the second story is 12 feet from the ground, unreachable by jumping. A single story is 12 feet high? The building's modular design is one Azad recognizes as being intended for medical purposes, which typically boast taller ceilings. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I wouldn't mind climbing up there so that I can try to quietly enter and see what the deal is. I'll give him a boost. Oh, a boost would be nice. Yay! Horatius <laughs> uh, kind of see myself as being able to interlocks his hands and gets into position. All right, go on up. McBride holds his hands out to give Flick a boost. Hey, uh, thanks, Head Smasher. <laughs> uh, smashing heads isn't all I'm good for. They used to call me Boostman. <laughs> <laughs> That's a right normal name for us Fringers, eh? Uh, yes, an appropriate nickname that I hear around the Fringe all the time. Just, uh, let me up, man. Okay, I'll, I will stop talking and let you up. <laughs> this will require a successful athletics check. Okay. Ooh, hey, nice. Cool. That's an 18. Not including Horatius's help. Flick runs toward him and is vaulted <laughs> to the roof. He's able to just barely grip his fingers around the edge of the ridge, and within mere seconds, he silently pulls himself over the edge to safety. Oh, awesome. The roof of the medical center is grubby, strewn with numerous small flecks of glass, plastic, pebbles, and sand, things that Flick would normally collect. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I grab. I grab a couple of valuables that won't weigh me down. Flick collects a small bag of plastic and glass shards for future use. From his position, Flick can see two small vents about six inches tall, letting out a warm steam from their target building. He can also see two windows, one of which appears to be functional, the other now completely boarded up. Um, I, I listen at both events to see if I can hear any, any important conversation from either. As Flick quietly creeps closer to the vents, he spies a balcony in the rear of the Lucky Eights building, overlooking the alley, jutting from the building at approximately his current level. Ah, that's interesting. The temperature grows warmer, and the pressure normalizes as Flick approaches the Lucky Eights building. The area directly surrounding the building is well-maintained, though a surplus of moisture hangs in the air like a heavy fog, and there's a faint smell of ozone. Hey. Leaning toward the steaming vent, Flick concentrates his attention on the slight sound coming from the pipe. Um, alright, so I... So, bathroom and someone's taking a shower in there. I'll, uh, I'll listen at the other vent. Flick listens to the other vent briefly. Okay, bathroom, got it. Oh, so, oh! So probably, like, connected showers in a giant bathroom. I'm gonna look for something on the roof that might help me bring the others up here. Flick identifies part of an exposed metal bar protruding from the roof where he could secure a rope and help the others up. Though this is dependent on whether or not they have rope. So I peek over the roof and I make a gesture at them. Like I'm asking them to toss me a rope. I might have a bit of rope. Give me a bit to find it. <laughs> I turn to the other. I have no rope. <laughs> uh, well, let me see here. Uh, I, uh, hmm. 
I also do not have a rope. I don't think. Okay. Mm. <laughs> not that you would know this, but they did a horrible job provisioning us before we went out into the most dangerous part of the planet. <laughs> I mean, since we are, in fact, of the fringe, we just don't have the proper... Uh, cra- we don't have supplies? <laughs> Why would we need them? We live here. Right, all the time. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a, <laughs> I have a rapid ascension tool. Would that be something that would be useful for climbing? <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't find it in my inventory. <laughs> uh, well, you know. Okay, stand back. The echoes of gunshots are commonplace within the fringe, and the only possible witness to the ascent has departed to continue her sickness elsewhere. The team uses the tool multiple times to hoist themselves to the roof without difficulty over the next two minutes. What is that? And I'm, I'm going to point to the vent that you earlier listened to. Oh, uh, these are two vents. They both go into a poopa. <laughs> okay, um, is there, like, cloth trash on the ground or something? Not enough to clog the whole thing. All right, so we need to probably, like, fill those, because then the fog would fog up the interior instead of coming out here. They probably got something to clean it up inside. And likely it won't be enough to flood the whole place. Just a shitter. No, what I'm saying is that instead of coming out here, they would just... not. I'm not saying, like, the liquid would come out here. I'm saying just the fog. The guy's in a small can, anyway. We can just shoot him. Because we're not inside yet. Meh. Well, I don't know if you got a, any special eyes or something, but if we fog out the bathroom, I mean the poopa, the... <laughs> the <laughs> uh, it'll... <laughs> it, it'll, uh, it'll be hard for me to... It's shittery. Watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> we have to see that too. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, we could just kind of, we could just make sure we go in there discreetly. Did you find a way in discreetly? Uh, I I listened and then I let you guys up. So, oh right, um, yes. Uh, also, there's a window that I didn't even look at. Look at this window. The team looks through the window <laughs> to an interesting sight. An armed man sits facing away from the window counting through a hoard of wealth before him. A large hollow table ringed with chairs, and atop it piled a treasure of ammunition and sealed meal canisters. Hmm. Well, uh, okay. Looks like he isn't paying attention to us right now. Do you think any of us could get in quietly enough to knock him out before he sees us? I'm not too sneaky, nor miss my gun. It's a big gun. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, yeah. But we would want to take out the guys in the bathroom at the exact same time. If we take out one and then the other, they might be able to help each other. Okay, fair point. Uh, Do you think we could get into the bathroom through those vents? I thought they were only six inches big. Well, I don't know. I heard about vents. I didn't really look at them. (laughs) Uh, I could give it a shot, but I just wanted to uh, clarify the plan with everyone, because that's sort of a one-try thing. Using his extended mirror, Flick sees past the first bend in the vent, glimpsing a man showering oh with soap uh good wow i withhold my surprise he soaps his armpits <laughs> good this is some good information you're gathering <laughs> <laughs> guys he's uh, he's getting his armpits right now what <laughs> all right i uh i check the other vent The other vent shows Flick a filthy, decaying toilet in a room filled with steam. It is currently unoccupied. Okay. Okay, cool. 
I head back over to the guys. Okay, there's two guys. One of them hasn't noticed us right away. The other one's taking a shower. We probably want to take them out at about the same time. Probably the guy with immediate access to his weapons first. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I'm going to assume it sounds fine. What? I said I'm going to assume it sounds fine. Diana's never done this before. I'm not a sneaky snipe like you guys, but um, I, I, I'm curious. How, how are we going to get through the door without them noticing us? A window. Window. Well, uh... I think you're crazy if you keep mistaking windows for doors. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> With that, uh... If, if, if he just turns around right now, that... That guy's gonna see us. Uh, I, uh... I put my back up against the wall, so if he does turn around, he can't see I, me. <laughs> I, uh... I look at the window. Um, can it be opened from the outside? And if not, would I be able to pierce it with a gunshot? Oh, I would also like to move. Sorry. The team hides behind the wall and boarded up window. Uh, yeah. I will also stay out of sight, but in a way that I can still examine the window kind of closely. Flick examines the glass window. It consists of multiple hexagonal panel openings that are two feet in diameter. Okay. From his experience, this particular type of paneling only opens from the inside and is generally locked. Okay. The glass appears to also be smart glass, which he knows he cannot breach. Smart glass. All right, here we go. <laughs> Whoa, what? All right, can I see if it is smart glass? Azad brushes Hawk aside and touches her glove to the glass. All right, so I, um, I'm going to see if I still have my privacy hood and nobody can even really tell. I'm assuming it's like Google Glass. All I have to do is move my eyes, like advanced Google Glass, like super advanced. A heads-up display appears in Azad's privacy hood confirming that it is indeed smart glass. All right. Roll a what would that be? Computer use or? This action will require a successful computer use check. How do you do this? I have not done this in forever. Roll. Nope. I still am really bad at this, guys. (laughs) Doesn't matter if I have a plus six. Doesn't matter if I still roll like under fives. Azad has difficulty interfacing with the window due to the age of the operating system in place. A few minutes have passed and Azad's mind wanders to the fate of her comrades downstairs. But being a window, it doesn't lock Azad out, nor are there any alarms as a result of her intrusive attempts. All right, well, then should I try again if it's not locking me out? I mean, it's a window. How hard could it freaking be, right? How hard could it be? (laughs) She said, trying again. Probably going to get a one. (laughs) As Azad begins to work on the door again, McBride begins to smell a uniquely foul chemical huff smoke. Standing on the balcony that overlooks the alley is a lucky eight guard, inhaling deeply. Heads up, we got one more. North by, uh, northeast. Wandering around on a balcony, smoking. Uh, is he also armed? That would require a successful perception check. I think my perception is zero, but I want to make sure. Yep. I don't know, he could be a cactus for all I know. A smoking cactus. Except you have no idea what a cactus is. Except uh, he uh, he could be uh, a reeve plant. <laughs> there are no plants on this planet. 
He could be a tower. A tower. <laughs> a rock or something. A smoking rock. <laughs> Look, they probably have to edit this whole part of the production if you keep breaking character and referencing stuff that's not in the world. Like, oh, those beautiful, beautiful, bright red pants you're wearing. Yeah, anyway, there's somebody up there. He's doing something. McBride can't see much except for the door behind him and also a door on the first floor. Both doors lead to the Lucky Eight's base. Uh, there's also a door underneath them. So, so, really, we're working on getting into this building, and it's not even the building we want to get into. It's Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's... Oh, it is. Okay, I'm mistaken. See, I was thinking that we're over here doing this, and then this is where everyone is. So, like, we're plotting this elaborate way to get into this building, and it's not... <laughs> okay, good. Just to tell you something funny... I'd prepared for just about every possible scenario and mapped out the entire hex block. Oh, cool. Especially because I saw that McBride has drill technology on him. You have drill technology? Yeah, he's a miner. Uh, he, I have, let me just tell you for the sake of knowing what I can do. Uh, I have testing equipment for mining. <laughs> I have a hand drill, an omni tool, a breathing mask, and a rapid ascension tool. Right. What does your omni tool do, McBride? Uh, it's basically a standard multi-wrench, everything in one. All right, so maybe, um, where's the, the, one, the window that's boarded up? You mean the boarded up window right behind you? Yes. Also, I rolled a 13 to get this freaking window to unlock silently. The window unlocks electronically, nice. and Azad gains the ability to open it up from up to 60 feet away. The guard inside has not noticed. Nice. If I open this window, can one of you guys go in there and I, <laughs> and then Diana, like does, like, karate moves with her hands. Because <laughs> she's assuming somebody can do something like that. Not uh, I don't know what that is, but I can hit somebody. Just seems like a better idea than shooting someone and making lots of noise. Yeah, yeah. If we can take care of the first guy, then we can just walk into the bathroom and shoot the second guy. We don't need to shoot him through the vent, necessarily. Well, I'm not right. an especially stealthy guy, but I'm probably the hardest hitter. <laughs> All right. Um... And can the head smasher fit through the window when it opens? It'd be a tight squeeze, I think, but, uh... Right, right. It'd take you a moment, and you'd have to be really quiet about it with that big club. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> not me, maybe... <laughs> so wait a minute, is that the only access we've discovered? The only way to get into this building is a two-foot-by-one-foot... Hey, somebody else come here and peer at this balcony. My shoulders are too broad for me to look at it. <laughs> Does it seem like there's a pathway from where we are to the balcony? Like, can we sidle along a ledge or something? Or It's just a wall. Oh, it's just a wall. Oh. There's a little staircase near the balcony, though. From, like, the ground to there? Yep. Okay, where's that? Let me see that map. Okay. That would be right there. Oh, I see. Okay. So somebody could theoretically pass beneath the balcony, climb up the stairs, and then conk this guy in the head. The man on the balcony finishes his smoke and saunters back inside. Oh. Uh, oh, shit. He can only smoke for so long. Yeah. He's only one scrawny little guy, after all. It's not like he has help. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, we, we better come up with a game plan before that guy finishes his shower. So I want to look at the other access point. Ah, crap. Never mind. Okay, well, uh, how about a... Okay, how about this? Uh, a particularly small and stealthy one of us goes through the window and attempts to surprise knock out our friend out there. In the meantime, the rest of us go in through the balcony, 
Once that guy's taken care of, we go in through the showers, we ambush the showering people, and then from there we just go on in and wing it. <laughs> here's here's a plan-ish, sort what? of. Not that any of my roles help at all. What's that? <laughs> so once we do get in and get rid of the people who were smoking, sitting, and showering, all S things, um, I have a chemical spray left over, and I'm pretty sure I might be able to make some type of kind of, not bomb, but room-filling spray when we get inside and try and drop it down to the first floor if that's where we still believe all the militants are, including our people. So our people are going to have some very, very unhappy things happen to them. (laughs) Oh, no, not the dark. Can I try, while we're still out here, to turn my chemical spray into something that I can turn on and throw into a room and have it... Your friend is inside there right now, down there, stalling for seconds. I know! We just spent, like, five minutes on the window, and now you want to spend ten minutes to craft a stun bomb. You underestimate the intelligence of the only thing that my character does, which is intelligence. <laughs> oh, at least it's not me down there. Till can be tough to talk to sometimes. Okay, fine. I'm ready to open the window whenever any one of you says that you can knock that guy out. Okay. Me or Flick. Um, who? Me or you. Okay, in the... In I the... nod at her knife. In the meantime, I'm going to go around to the balcony because I don't have a gun, and I'll try to take him out from there. I'll join you, Captain Stealthy. Sounds good, corners. Cover my corners. Okay, cool. And uh, uh, he goes over to the shower vent and has his uh, has a gun pointed there just in case things go. Think he needs to use it. I climb down the rope. Sneaking cautiously, McBride and corners silently descend back down the alley below. On the ground floor, they pass the back door to the Lucky Eights building and soon reach the area below the overhanging balcony. Through cooperation and helpful technology, they reach the landing of the second-floor balcony. In that time, Azad converts her chemical spray to a non-lethal, single-use, chemical-diffusing explosive device. Yay. Nice. Uh, does the door have a window or any type, any type of way I can see what's going on in there? The door lacks a window. It just occurred to me that I really don't know what all's in this room. For all I know, it could be four guys with bazookas standing right in front of the door. Yes, it could. But uh, I'm probably not fitting through that window, so here we go. (laughs) Let's do this. Hey. Hey. Just because I have a chemical bomb doesn't mean I have to use it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I, um... uh, Flick? Flick, you open in the window? I am. Um, uh, For me, I need you to open it. Hey, Flick, pay attention. I need you to open the window so I can jump through. Whenever anyone tells me they want me to open the window, I will open the window. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, right. okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm I'm Without touching the it, the window opens. Okay. okay. Swiftly, the window opens and Hawk inaudibly jumps through, carving the man's throat while simultaneously restraining him. As air and blood hisses out the gaping wound, Hawk brings the guard to the ground, silently and viciously stabbing his chest repeatedly. Do they utilize thumbs up in the fringe? Yup. Give her an enthusiastic thumbs up through the window. (laughs) (laughs) All dead in here. All right. Climb through a window. Please don't make me roll. Okay, so, uh... So, Flick jumps in and he immediately, like, sort of... Power walks into the bathroom. The bathroom is to the left, directly through a wall. Oh. 
From inside the room, Flick sees two doors, one to his right, the other directly ahead. They are both closed, but he's quickly distracted by the vast quantity of meal on the table before him. Oh. I, I am like, hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I grab like a can. I, gra- I grab a can of meal and like put it in my sack. Flick swipes a single meal canister and counts easily over 80 meal remaining on the table. I secretly grab five. <laughs> Flick secretly grabs five meal off the table. I am going to search the room. I am not a uh, an aggressive military person, so there's really not a lot for me to do pushing into the next room. Azad looks through the room and counts 400 meal. Sorry, 394 meal, <laughs> in addition to numerous rounds of ammunition. I, I grab another five. She disinterestedly watches Flick casually swipe five of them off the table. The bullets appear to be of varying calibers. Azad locates 17 bullets compatible with her Fringer pistol. The rounds are discolored and covered in a semi-transparent layer of grime. Nice. Cool. Um, but if there's a lot of meal in this room, that probably means that they have guards because this is a lot. Okay, bye-bye. So there's probably going to be people. Other people. Right. I'm going to send my Atrian compatriots a message saying, going to kick down this door, what's going on over there? Exploding door emoji. With no capital letters and no punctuation. Who is still wearing their privacy hoods? Because I know some people took them off when Just you. Just me and McBride? Yep. All right. Scar took his off a while ago, and Cassius wasn't rocking it when she walked inside. So some of this looks like uh, smart technology? That would require a successful use technology check. I'm kind of searching for Bluetooth. (laughs) (laughs) Azad is able to confirm that the technology in the building is subject to override commands by a master control console. The table directly before her. Yes, yes. There's a table. (laughs) She receives a message on her privacy hood internet link from H. McBride. Gonna kick down this door. What's going on over there? Exploding door emoji. My text message says, hold up. On this hollow table, what can I access? With a roll of a natural 20, Azad is able to reroute the table's holograms, covered by meal canisters, to her privacy hood's digital augment interface. She gains control of the water flow, water temperature, water pressure, air pressure, temperature, moisture levels, power, and vitals of the building, similarly to a Goptum interface. However, changes to the gravity controls for this building would be hardly noticeable, even at the extreme settings. After a few keystrokes, Azad is able to hack into the master control interface for the entire hex block, giving her control over a significantly larger area than the lone Lucky Eights building. Additionally, she can control smart devices that are connected to the building, which mostly includes smart glass. All right, the door that my comrades are currently outside of, can I unlock it? Azad has control over all doors that contain their original electronic locks, The back door on the second floor is one such lock, but it's already disengaged. So why did he say he had to kick the door down? Those were his words. McBride never bothered to check the handle. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to text him back. That door is unlocked. (laughs) All right, so my plans so far (laughs) include telling him that the door is unlocked, locking the person in the bathroom and turning up the heat 
to impossibly high, <laughs> turning off the lights <laughs> to downstairs. Turn deadly high for the entire block? No, for the shower and kill that guy. You can do that? Wow. Yeah. Maybe not to bathe with you. Can you push up the shower pressure to be really high, too? I would eventually. Uh, I'm still just going through all of my plans. No, I, I, I just meant in general. I like my showers like I like my man, you know. <laughs> nice and strong. <laughs> Big man. What can I do about the people downstairs except for just turning off the lights? Huh. Uh, let's see what's downstairs. On the first floor, the wall directly to the left of the front door is constructed from a particularly durable military-grade smart glass. It works similarly to a one-way mirror, giving those inside visibility to the outside world, specifically the main road they were standing on just a few minutes ago. Additionally, the room behind the door to the right on the second floor has a similar military-grade smart wall, which allows individuals standing from within the room to the right to see other rooms nearby. Now for available features. In terms of features, Azad can also increase or decrease the lights. McBride is about to kick in the door when he receives a message. Okay, we're busting this down in three, one, two... Hold up. Um, hold up, it's unlocked. It's unlocked? Oh, but maybe the guy's in there. Uh, wow. So, uh, corners, hold up on Operation Kick in the Door. Uh, Zild was able to, uh... Unlock the door, it seems. All right, so yet again, every plan I have is going to really mess up our friends on the first floor. Um, but first, who's ever in the room with me, I'm going to tell about uh, the room next door. I'm going to say, scout that room. There is some glass in there that we can use to look in on the room that they're planning to invade. Invade? <laughs> sure, invade. She has never done this before. This is your first invasion? You'd never know it. Well, thank you. So go check that one out. And then I'm going to send a message to the people on the balcony. Don't go in the door yet. I send back, okay, and an emoji thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Emojis of the future. You want to go first or me? Not me. No. No, no. Not me. Flick. Flick will take a peek. Flick will pop his head in there. Flick slowly opens the door on the right side of the room, and inside are the three missing women huddled in a corner. Oh. Sark tattoos and brands clearly indicate them as those missing from the Sark gang. Uh-huh. Uh, he's it. Uh, I think, uh, I think the plan just got a little simpler. All right, so we could legitimately just take them out the window and leave. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we could. I'm going to look around him and see them and be like, all right then, let's leave. <laughs> Uh, hey, ladies. As Flick grins and steps into the room, the women shy away from him. <laughs> right, uh, hey, uh, I, like, I, like, sheave my pistol and just, like, hold my hands up. I'm like, uh, no, uh, no, no problem here. We just, uh, here, why, why don't, why don't you talk to the nice people? Why don't you talk to them? We're gonna get you out of here. Pep enters the room. One of the women stares at Pep with a look of recognition. Pep, is that you? Oh, hey, Lizzie. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, oh, 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 yeah, right. That's, that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't put all the facts together in my, in my head till now myself. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're here to rescue you and the other girls, too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The boss has sent us for you. Yeah. 
The Bayard has a heart, apparently. <laughs> Just a, a really, really small one. That's nice. That's a lot of talking. Let's go. Out the window. I make the smart wall transparent in one direction so that I can see the room he's going into. On the other side of the transparent wall is a guard holding a large bladed rifle. All right, so I'll just say, don't go in the room. We found the girls. Come back to the roof. <laughs> he sends another okay, and this time the emoji is when you have three fingers up and you put your thumb and your forefinger together to make the okay sign. And then he comes back. <laughs> I, I just love the, just the image of Horatius, like, loving emojis. He is like, exactly the kind of person who texts in all lowercase and uses only hand emojis. <laughs> and the 100 emoji. <laughs> like, like uh, congratulations on your bar mitzvah. Uh, like, Thanks. Uh, emoji, uh, like, emoji of, like, girl in a dress, like, doing a dance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Quinceanera! <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Can I transfer three of the actions non-permanently to my, my privacy hood so I can activate them just by, like, using the hood? But not, like, all of the things, just, like, three specific things? Locking all of the doors uh, slash windows, like, locking down the perimeter. Um, turning off the lights, and uh, the other one was going to be... Oh, God, what was it going to be? Killing everyone. Killing <laughs> everyone. Yeah, pretty much, like, dropping the pressure in the building once the doors are sealed. Just, like, plummeting it. It'll be really uncomfortable. It'll be kind of be like... Uh, I don't know how to explain this. It's going to really hurt, hopefully. I just don't want them to follow us. The plan is just to lock the doors and turn the lights off and leave them in the dark. And in a heavy amount of discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if we can get everybody down the alley and then into one of the empty buildings that you said were empty earlier, then I can have one of the punks... Not the punks. I said punks. I meant fringers. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's <laughs> racist. Are a specific type of fringer. <laughs> no, punks is a type of fringer. They're one of the gangs. Um. <laughs> Azad sets the three actions to a macro, which she can trigger from her privacy hood, so long as she's still within 60 feet of the hex block. So, uh, you're leaving all this meal here? I, it's not like I can carry 400 anyways. Did somebody take the gun before everyone went out the window? Did someone look down at the, the gun on the ground and go, that's a good idea? <laughs> no one did that. Like, <laughs> the short answer is no. That didn't happen. All right, so I'm going to pick up the gun and wave it out the window. So somebody take this. I'm not holding it by the trigger. I'll carry that for you. There you go. Thanks. You going to leave that meal there? I'm taking a little bit. Oh, I'm just going to keep throwing it out the window at the women, and they'll just keep catching it. Hawk swipes the guard's blood-smeared gun from Azad, and then begins shoveling the meal into her pockets. Good, because we have to pay people, guys. Remember that? Once full, she pulls out a few bags, filling them up and handing full bags to the rescued women. Hey, Lizzie, you and your girls, help me carry this. Sure thing. Good for them. Um, let's get down. Let's get everybody into the room, the... The empty building that we saw earlier. Uh, that is fine with me. The team safely exits the building and descends, regrouping in the alley. Agent Cassius Sogot 
and investigator Sylvanas Clairhout enter the front door of the Lucky Eight's base on Indigo and 8th Street. The entry room is a large living space covered in unkempt rows of mattresses. A series of three small hollow tables are scattered around the room, and a large table with chairs rests in the room's center. An archway on the far side leads to another room, and a staircase on the left rises to the second floor. However, more distracting is the sinking feeling of being helplessly outnumbered, as the duo looks at the dozen men and women in the main room, each bearing the Lucky Eight symbol somewhere on their person. The Lucky Eights, armed with clubs, swords, and guns, stare harshly at them, clearly not threatened in the slightest, as the duo is escorted toward the large table in the middle. So we'll do the friendly fringer mean fringer routine? Sure. A woman with messy, bright, teal hair, ample green face tattoos, and bright green eyes motions towards the seats. So, you wanted to speak. What's this about? As she speaks, the blue hue of her gums can be seen. What an interesting question. <laughs> you come here to waste my time, or what? Who are you with? My name is Scar. We're the Blood Skulls. You may not have heard of us yet, but I assure you, you might soon. I'm Cass, also a blood skull. Okay, I'm listening. So why do you want this meat? So let me back up real quick. I'm, I'm here to negotiate for the uh, three that were taken from the Sarks. Are they still here? Sarks? Here? There's here? What's, uh, what's your deal with the Sarks? We just want something from them. We're not necessarily affiliated. Okay. They're having us jump through their hoops for them, so I'm here. Clairehout must roll a successful persuasion check to see how much she likes him. Sure thing. Yeah, we played that game before. The sauce can suck it sometimes. They're difficult to deal with, but they're a high meant to work with. I've found the same to be true. Frankly. So, you're the knobs who've been sent here to take them back? That right? Yes, that's about the size of it. Frankly, I'd like to avoid a messy scene if I could. Is there anything <laughs> you're after? There's just the two of you. The only mess will be cleaning you guys off the floor. Yeah, I clearly don't know the blood skulls. I just mean politically. Yeah, we always look for summit. We got a lot of merch, but we're short a few things right now. Like what sort of stuff you want, Green Eyes? We could really use anything you got in the way of drugs or ammo. Could always use more of that. Got nice guns, just not enough to shoot from them. We could always use more meal, too. What's your, uh, main type of ammunition? The bigger ones. Rifly types. Okay. Might have some of that, I'm not sure. So you're offering a trade, is that this? Because we kind of... My boys were kind of getting fond of those girls. And we don't want to really give them back. Looking to trade, or if you have anything that needs done, we have able hands. Sure. We could... we could talk some business. So, are you loyal to these socks? Or what? Frankly, I'm just loyal to wherever the money's coming from. That's fair. So if you're interested maybe being allies with the Eights, we can maybe do something. See, we hear this rumour that, um, one of these socks is, uh, maybe an innie. You know, works for the Archon or some shit. Kind of popular rumour right now. It's said to be one of their upper bosses, and we're not sure which one. But if we could learn who, that would be sure most helpful. We could disgrace him, push him out, maybe, 
push a power play while they're still pitting a leader. All sorts of nice stuff. Really? That's the rumour. I'd like you to make it true, even if it's not. That's it? That's it. Just find us something to pin him with, him being I'll be up on top, or his bestie Bayard, his voice. Absolutely. You just want him taken out, or are you going for the disgrace angle? Whichever. If you disgrace him, that's be a little nicer. Then it'd be no prop taking out after. We'll do the old raid with you. Take the old damn bar, the old damn poke. We could expand. Maybe get a couple of new recruits, maybe add you guys in. You guys want to be like Yates? He's a nice name with a lot of cred in these parts. Much better known than Blood Skulls. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that, actually. Why are you called the Lucky Eights? It's our lucky number, and it's because we're so damn lucky. Tell you what, I'll even throw some lucky dice. Whenever they roll eight, it's nice. If it rolls somewhere you can't see it, can't retrieve it, or a far-run accident is even better. Recoil dice, the old thing is, the more luck you got, the more better things happen in your favour. And how often do you roll eights? Pretty often. But I've got lots of other lucky things too. Got my lucky kid feet, got a lucky scar, got my lucky little vest. Teal points to a scar just beneath her eye, hardly noticeable under the tattoos. No shit. Some people got lucky tattoos, but we're all about luck. That's who we are, and we're the luckiest. Things just happen. You know, gangs go poof, resources, fall it into our lap. Life's nice and lucky when you're a lucky eight. Sounds like a good place to be. Yeah, if you're nice and take out the socks we just talked of. Maybe we'll even give you this place when we move. You're the boss of Blood Skulls, by the way, or is there... I'm more of the mouth. Mm. Yeah, tough guy from what I heard. Wasn't much the thinker. That would be me, the thinker. Or speaker, or much of anything except a brute. So you up for this, then? Out of characters. So they're asking us to basically turn around and take the same bar that gave us this job in the first place? Or is it a different one? That's exactly it. Okay, got it. Interesting. Oh, sorry, give us a sec. Sogot reads a message on her data pad that says, We have them. Get out. However, Teal notices the data pad. You got some tech on you? Yeah, we actually stumbled on it not too long ago. I like to take notes. You can read? Sorta. You? Hmm. I'll trade you something for it. It's not actually on the table at the moment, but... No, it's under the table. (laughs) We've got some other people with us. I'd like to talk to them about your arrangement, if that's all right. Sure. Leave her here, though. Uh... Actually, I'm gonna need this one with me. Uh, Any chance of us just stepping back outside for a second here? I'm actually really interested in your offer. Yeah, I'll guess. I'll like you both, so that'll work. I'd like to rub my scar, if at all possible, the one on my head. I consider myself to have had a few lucky scrapes, so I'm definitely interested. Let me just speak to my people. I'll be back. All right. You can both go. When you come back, though, make sure it ain't your boss who talks. It's got to be you two. I like your voice and your looks. Much more than I think I like his. I'll do my best. It's world of media. I hope to be shooting with the eight soon enough. <laughs> yeah, likewise, Cass. So God and Claire Howard are escorted outside, and they walk a block south to meet up with the group. All right. Now present are Cass, Sogat, Azad, a.k.a. Zid, Sylvanus, Scar, Claire Hout, Horatius, Head Smasher, McBride, Corners, Hawk, Flick, Pep, without her baby, and the three rescued women bearing the Sark brand. Hey, friends. 
Hi, ladies. Let's haul ass. Yes. Very much. That way. Team hastily makes their way toward the whole poke. Liberty Vigilance is created and produced by Travis Vengroff, with editing and writing assistance from K.A. Stats. Starring Peter Lewis, Sean Francis, Caitlin Buckley, Caitlin Stats, and Daniel Thorson, with narration by Wayne June. Guest voices include Ethor Fithjarsson, Sarah Golding, Heather McClellan, Neil Martin, Hem Cleveland, Travis Vengroff, Tanya Maloyevich, and Cassie Rilinicki. The music was created by Ryan McQuinn, Stephen Malin, and Brandon Strader. Vigilance was mixed and mastered by Brandon Strader with cover art by Dan Stanek. The original game master was Travis Vengroff with assistance by K.A. Stats. This episode is brought to you by The Lucky Die Podcast. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode, please consider supporting us on Patreon or by liking and reviewing our show on iTunes. We especially would like to thank citizens Zach Israel, Fallon Gannon, Anton Scalia, Adam Farber, Scott Morrison, and Austin Barth. This broadcast is created by Fool and Scholar Productions. Thank you for listening, and may the Archon watch over you. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.